Red Rocks Church, how we doing? You guys good? Oh, it's gonna be a good day of church. Thank you for tuning in, whoever you are, wherever you're watching this from, whatever you've done, whatever you believe, you have a home at this church. And whether this is the first time you're hearing this or the millionth time, I don't care. All this is is imperfect, messed up people pursuing a perfect God. Can I get an amen? That's what you've stumbled into. We are so glad that you're here. And I, uh, you guys can take a seat in here, but I like the passion. I, um, I'm so grateful. My name is Doug and I, I lead our location in Austin, Texas. And I am so humbled and grateful every time I get an opportunity to come here and open up this book and talk about Jesus with you guys. And I do not take it lightly. Um, I enjoy it. It is one of my favorite things in the world, and I hope and pray that comes across every time I get to do it. And thank you for listening, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I'm so grateful for our fearless leader, Sean Johnson, my, my pastor, my friend, um, the open-handedness he has to take this platform God has given him and just share it this easily is not a normal thing at all. That takes so much humility and generosity. And man, we have a good leader. And Sean, I love you. We have your back. We love you as a church. Thank you for being our leader. And right now, um, I just, I don't wanna walk into this moment too casually because here's what I know for a fact that I know all of you know. The spirit of the living God is in this place right now. Like really, he's here. He's in your place right now. And it's been a, a very challenging and a very changing year for a lot of us. But let me just remind you of, of your very unchanging and very good God who is still better than you could ever imagine. And I have his message for us in my hands right now. And like Sean would say, that means the presence of God is in this place and he's about to speak, which means this is holy ground. This is holy ground. I don't know if you remember what God told Moses in Exodus through a tree that was literally on fire. Moses, take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground because my presence is here and I'm about to speak. And that's what's going on right now. And I'm not sure who this is for since we're talking about Moses. If you are under the false assumption that God can't use you or wants nothing to do with you because of how messed up or imperfect you are, one of the main themes of the Bible proves you dead wrong. All God does is use messed up, imperfect people who are simply willing. And I know that because God went after Moses, you guys. Moses, the golden boy of the Old Testament, let me remind you of his resume. A stuttering murderer, an 80-year-old man looking after his father-in-law's sheep, which implies he was poor, he was a shepherd who didn't even have his own sheep and spent the last 40 years of his life running from God's calling on his life and God's like, that's my man. That's the guy that I'm going after. And so if you're under that impression, let me just say, is if you still have air in your lungs right now, God is not done with you yet because God went after Moses and he was 80 and God was still just getting started. And my gosh, this sermon's not even about Moses. I'm just trying to get us to remember and realize when we open this book that the presence of God is here and he's about to speak. 
because Jesus is back from the dead. And that curtain over at that temple that separated his presence from the rest of the world has been torn in two, which means he's here, which means your living room floor, whether it's hardwood or tile or carpet or plywood or dirt, I don't care. It is holy ground because this, this is the word of God. And let's read what God has to say to you today. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I know a lot of us want so much about our external circumstances to change right now, but I promise you, you want and need this more. Your inner being to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted He's talking about roots, so 2020 is not gonna steal my faith because my faith has roots. It is rooted and established in love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, I just picture an ocean, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know, everybody say to know. That's our key word for this whole sermon, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Somebody say amen. That is good. Oh, it's so good. That is quickly becoming maybe my favorite text in the entire Bible, and I'm gonna tell you why, and it has to do with that four-letter word, know, K-N-O-W, because in the New Testament, we actually have two Greek words that both refer to, to, um, to, to know, okay? And so those two Greek words are gonna be up on this screen right here. Here we go. The first one, they should be, all right? I, I had it memorized. I was about to impress all of you guys. The first one is Edo, Edo. And it means to perceive with the outward senses. In other words, I come to know something because I heard about it or I learned about it or I read about it. It's a great word, but there's a better one and a more rich one. And it's the word gnosko, which means to come to know something by experience. You become familiar with because you've experienced it. And the, the, the one that we just read in Ephesians is the latter. That's the Apostle Paul saying, I pray that you would gnosko the love that surpasses knowledge. To know through experience, right? How wide and far and deep and long is the love of God for you. Like how many know there's a difference between knowing about the ocean floor because you watched the planet earth coral reef episode and knowing about the ocean floor because you went scuba diving right one is a one is a knowledge the other surpasses knowledge edo gnosko one's a perception the other an experience and so for week three of this series follow me we are going to call this sermon find out firsthand I believe that's Jesus' invitation to so many of us today. Follow me and find out firsthand. So God, would you join us? I know you're everywhere. I know you're with us. You surround us. You're within us right now. You're always present, and it's us who, who get distracted and don't realize it. And so would you help us be present? Would you heighten our senses and awareness of you? around us right now. 
for people right now who are in a season of desperation and or disappointment, I pray you would ready their hearts to have a different perspective on that by the time this is done. Do what I can't do. Transform us. Speak to us. We are listening. And everybody prayed this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, I know a lot of you are eyeing this Dairy Queen blizzard right now. Zach, I saw you. You had your eyes open the entire prayer. And I don't blame you. This is, an, this is a large, it's 21 ounces, a large chocolate chip cookie dough Dairy Queen blizzard. Kristen picked this gem up for me just a little bit ago, okay? And let me just tell you something. This is 469 for 21 ounces of heaven in a cup with a spoon, okay? It is by far the most bang for your buck you can get at Dairy Queen. The next size down, the medium, is 409, and it's like less than half the size of it. It's a, it's a joke. Like, the most financially responsible thing you can do when you go to Dairy Queen is get the large. Dave Ramsey would be furious at you if you got anything other than this, the medium, the small. Don't even get me started on the mini. Like, that's a joke. Get that weak sauce out of my kitchen. Why did I say that, Casey? I don't even know what that means. Okay, focus. Okay, here's, I want to help all of us know this blizzard right here, okay? So if you're taking notes, this is, this is where this sermon gets really important. This large Dairy Queen chocolate chip cookie dough blizzard boasts a decadent and delicious texture and flavor, rich and robust and refreshing. It is the ultimate summer treat, complete. I'm gonna guess on the ingredients here, probably sugar, probably some ice and some cream of some sort, some heavy whipping cream and more sugar and vanilla extract and a lot of cookie dough, which also has sugar, right? All blended together and poured into this cup as it is in heaven. They say angels sing with each bite. So let's find out if they're right. Mm. Oh, guys, this is, I'm sorry, this is just my favorite sermon I've ever preached. I'm going to do this visual aid every time from now on. Oh my gosh, that like, I'm sorry. I just like, how, how can you not believe in God when you taste this? Like I can hear the angels singing right now. The veil is thinning. There will be breakthrough. And it looks like this, Corey, right here. It looks like this. Ah, he's one of my best buds. I can say that. It's his love language. Don't worry. Just for that, Corey, I want to gift you this by letting you give it to Zach. It is better to to give than to receive. So Zach, this is for you. I'm just gonna set it down on the floor with a brand new germ-free spoon. Now you can get it because I'm six feet away. So you go ahead, you enjoy that. But here's what just happened. Here's what just happened, guys. We just learned Greek and the culinary arts of dessert and Dairy Queen in the first 11 minutes of this sermon. So let's combine both of those right now. What just happened? You guys came to know that blizzard by hearing about it by hearing about the description and the, the ingredients, you guys, let's, let's throw our Greek out there. You guys ate that blizzard, right? But me, I gnosko that 
Dairy Queen Blizzard. I came to know by experience, only me, only I tasted and saw that that blizzard is good, okay? I gnoscoed it by experience, and so this is already spiritual, but let's make it theological. God wants to be known by you experiencing him, right? So Jesus did not come back from the dead and open the door to God's presence so you could stand back and watch, God's love is not an ocean so you can observe it from the shore, right? The Holy Spirit's not in this room right now so we can just do another church service because we probably should. No, God wants to be experienced and his invitation is Jesus saying to you, follow me and find out firsthand. And so I don't know your story. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. I'm gonna ask you today just to consider it to consider not just your eternal life, but to honestly ask yourself, am I, am I finding everything I want in this life? And for all of us who are followers of Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to remember the fact that your life is now split into two eras, a BC and AD era, if you will. I heard Brooke Ligert would say, it, it is so important as Christians for us to remember on purpose our BC lives. For you to never forget the metallic taste of life before Christ. To remember your original appointment with Jesus. So for the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the verses we just read, the artist formerly known as Saul, okay? He was a Pharisee who hated Jesus, hated the church, so much so that he, he persecuted the church and murdered Christians until one day he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus, through a blinding light from heaven, go read about this in Acts chapter nine, knocks him off his literal horse and says, Saul, your Saul days are over, your old way is over, your BCAD moment is here. Your appointment with Jesus has come. Jesus says, follow me. And here's what happened. Salvation happened in an instant for Paul, like it does for all of us who receive Jesus, completely free in one moment, white as snow. But then Paul goes on to follow Jesus in this lifetime. In the New Testament, the Greek word for disciple is mentioned 268 times. To be a disciple of Jesus, let me remind you what that means. It means I follow him because I have to be around him so I become like him so I can go do what he would do if he were me. And so Paul spent his life following Jesus and planted churches and built the kingdom and performed miracles and shared and gave and served and was, was part of something bigger than himself and had eternal significance and experienced all the highs and all the lows and all the trials and shipwrecks, and the prisons, and all of it. And Paul concluded in all of those seasons, all of them, Jesus is enough, and Jesus is everything I need. And he also prayed for you slightly less than 2,000 years ago. And he penned those prayers into Ephesians for us to read today, his prayer for you, that you too, that you too might experience something beyond your salvation. Let's be real. Salvation is completely free. Following Jesus 
is not. But what you get in return are the two most valuable and amazing revelations there are to receive. And when I say revelation, I don't mean just information that you learned. I mean revelation like heaven downloaded this new realization in your heart that made you a little bit more free and a little bit more complete internally, your inner being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The two most valuable revelations there are that come through gnosko, that come through following Jesus and finding out firsthand. And I wanted to share with you those two revelations. Let's talk about the first one. Here it is. You find out firsthand, church, that God is all you need. And I know that sounds elementary. And I know you could read that and go, well, I've read that. Yeah, I know that. Intellectually, I know that. But do you, do you know that in a way that surpasses knowledge? Do you know that in a revelation kind of way? So here's how I'll explain it. I think when you follow Jesus, like I really think your life should demand an explanation from people on the outside looking at you, right? And when you follow Jesus, oftentimes you will find yourself in interesting places and spaces that you never in a million years thought you would be. And so I had a really cool opportunity um, for the entire year of 2012 to do mission work all over the world. And I traveled with my brother, Ryan, and my best bud, Ethan, who helped me lead the Austin campus. And for two of those months, we lived in, in Fiji. And in Fiji, we traveled around to remote villages, dropping off water filters, and teaching people how to use water filters because ironically, Fiji water is actually not clean at all. And there were typhoid breaks all over the islands. And so we would go into these villages, give them these filters and teach them how to use them. Well, a few weeks into our time there, we were awoken all of the sudden in the middle of the night by a thunderclap. I don't know why I just did the sound effect, but you now you feel like you're there, okay? So I, like, I wake up, sit up in my bed, and I get out of bed, and already up to my waist in flood water because a hurricane that we didn't even know was coming hit as soon as we fell asleep, for real. And long story short, um, we, we, we had to take refuge in this little chapel up on a hill, um, and we were stuck there, and for, for like three weeks, we had no access to any clean water, but we had a box of about 500 of these. And I remember a moment, because we had never used them. We passed them out, but like, you, you should use this. I don't, but you should. And I remember the three of us looking at this, uh, this bucket of just the murkiest, dirtiest flood water. I'm like, this is just a bucket of typhoid. I don't know what typhoid looks like, but it has to be this. We're looking at this bucket and we have this filter and we're like, well, we have to drink something. Hopefully this works. And you know the ending of the story because I'm here right now, but this actually worked. And we found out firsthand, we found out from experience that this filter was all we needed. And can I just say, for the rest of our time there, every time we'd go to villages, we were so much more passionate about these things. And we'd hand them out like, hey, I, I use this. It works. Trust me. Like your passion for it goes up and your faith in it goes up because you saw firsthand that is all I need. The filter, the filter works. And so... 
We'll transition right here. When you sin in the immediate aftermath of a mess up or a screw up, especially like when you know better and you're like, this is the millionth time. That is very fertile ground for shame, but it's also a very, very opportune moment to find out firsthand that grace works. For real, to come to know by experience, grace works. Like, oh my gosh, like he still loves me. The gospel took. (laughs) He still looks at me and sees the perfection of his son, Jesus. Like, how good is grace? It actually works, and I have more faith in it and more passion for it because I've seen firsthand. Can I tell you about the grace of Jesus? Look what it's done for my, like, is this not every baptism testimony video you've ever seen is people experiencing something firsthand for the very first time and saying what the disciples said in Acts 4.20, now I just can't help but speaking about what I've seen and I've heard. I've experienced this. That is fertile soil. Let me tell you what else is fertile soil. Seasons of desperation. Very fertile soil to find out firsthand that prayer works, that God responds, that God sees you, and your faith in it goes up, your passion for it goes up, because you've now gnoscoed it. I found out firsthand, not in a knowledge kind of way, but in a way that surpasses knowledge that God is all I need. And that's why, and I know this is crazy to say, but the Bible would back me up. Desperation, as brutal as it is, can be beautiful, follow me, because in the absence of desperation, it is so easy to keep your faith stored in a box, is it not? like a filter that you have, but you hope you never have to use until 2020. Desperation, a figurative hurricane. Oh my gosh, you guys, the revelation that you could come out of this season with, taking your faith out of the box, finding out firsthand, God is all I need. I'm telling you, the richest man in the world cannot buy that kind of revelation. He wants to. Trying to buy it with with tons of other stuff, you cannot buy this kind of revelation. And Paul found out firsthand. I'm convinced if Paul had a testimony video, he would finish it by talking about what he says in Romans chapter 8, 35 and 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution? He's just naming things he's been through. So add pandemic to this, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The more revelation you receive about God being all you need, the more you'll start to live like it's actually true. So you, like Paul is no more of a, more than a conqueror than you or than me. Like the same Jesus that saved him, saved you and saved me. He just acts like it, right? Because he has such a profound revelation that God really is all I need, so I will go and live like it's true. If you believe you are something, you will act like that something. It's called revelation. When I was a kid, I had this homemade Ken Griffey Jr. jersey that my mom made out of a green t-shirt and white paint. And when I put that jersey on, you could not convince me I was not Ken Griffey Jr. 
I expected to hit home runs in that same smooth and stylish fashion as Ken Griffey Jr. You couldn't convince me I wasn't. When my wife Sam was little, she had a Beauty and the Beast Belle costume, and she'd put on that dress and then put the movie in the VCR a few times a week and act it out, and she like believed she was a princess, right? She still does because, I mean, I treat her like that. Um, but for real, like her love language is Disney. All I have to say is, babe, you're the best part of every Disney princess all rolled into one. That is the sexiest thing I could ever say to my wife. But here's my point, and I do have one. <clears throat> when you're a kid, you believe you are something even though actually you're not. But then you grow up. And all of a sudden, you don't believe you're something, even though God says you really are. And we call it maturity. But Jesus says the kingdom will be received by those who can enter it like kids. And the more you follow Jesus and the more you find out firsthand that God is all you need and the more you gnosko that prayer works and grace works and the gospel works, the more you will start to believe it. Therefore, the more you will start to live like you are more than a conqueror. Church, this revelation is more valuable than gold. Do not fear seasons of desperation. The revelation you could come out of this season with with God, desperation is not wasted. It is leveraged. I didn't say it doesn't suck, but I said with God, desperation is not wasted. It is leveraged. Find out firsthand, God is all you need. And then, and number two, and I feel like this one's more profound, and only one word changes. Find out firsthand that God is all you want. Not just need, but want. So later on that same mission trip, we were in the Dominican Republic, and I know you're like, wow, Doug, like Fiji, the DR, really suffering for the gospel. I, I know. I promise you we did some mission work, okay? But like, the month we were there, because <laughs> we had a camera, we were filming the whole thing, and we were really in, uh, because we're Christians, we were really into time-lapsing sunsets. And so <laughs> this is about to get so Christian I apologize, it is what it is. At our missions base in the DR, we grabbed our camera, our Bibles, our moleskin journals, and our acoustic guitars and went up to the rooftop of the missions base. And uh, you'd think we were gonna time-lapse the sunset, but when you're missionaries, you're like, no, it's, it's like cool to be different and go against the grain. And oh, like anybody can time-lapse a sunset, only pioneers get the moon rise. Okay, and I knew it was gonna be a full moon that night, which means the moon was gonna rise the same time the sun was gonna set. And I know you're thinking, doesn't that happen every night? No, check your astronomy. I took intro to astronomy in college, got a B plus. You can trust me, only when it's a full moon. Regardless, we set our camera up to get the, to get the, the moon rise. We got out our Bibles and played Hillsong United on guitar and the beach was down there and dolphins and some monkeys and what unfolded behind us for the next two hours was the most spectacular, awe-inspiring sunset I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm saying, it was like the entire western skyline was on fire, bright red. 
like monkeys and dolphins and angels singing, how great is our God? I'm like, is this a rapture rehearsal? Is Jesus about to come back? Like we're repenting for last minute sins. And I pick up my Bible just in case he comes back. I want to be like, oh, Jesus caught me with my favorite book. I just, I love all the, the ver- verses, you know? And uh, <laughs> I'm serious. The craziest, like, like this would have been an award-winning time lapse, but I can't prove it to you because we didn't film it because we were like, well, if, it, if the sunset is this amazing, then bro, just think of how cool the moonrise is gonna be. <laughs> and I, like my theology's probably flawed here. But I feel like what happened was God depleted his entire creative tank on the sunset and then crashed on his proverbial couch and was like, oh yeah, moon, come up, which it did, hidden behind a cloud, like shades of gray and dark blue, you know? (laughs) So we missed it completely. We thought we wanted this, follow me. What we really wanted, we just didn't know it was this. By the way, and this is for free, this is, this is my best depiction of repentance, which is a key part in following Jesus. Repentance is not a Christian cuss word. It is a beautiful daily invitation to turn around because Jesus is better. Repentance is not turning away from the good stuff. It's turning towards the good stuff. Like C.S. Lewis would say, we are, we are half-hearted creatures, far too easily pleased, fooling around with drink and sex and stuff and ambition when infinite joy and infinite peace are being offered to us far too easily pleased. And I feel like this is, what, this is what Paul and Peter and Mary and Martha and John and all the heroes of the faith, I feel like this is what they understood was the deeper things. Oftentimes we think we know what we want. We think we do. But there's these deeper things, the fruit of the spirit. Like all the things we think we want, but the reason we want them is not for the things, but actually what we think they're going to do for us, which is actually what God wants to do for you. Peace, joy, kindness, self-control, the fruit of the spirit, the deeper things. Oh God, I'm just hoping God, God, it has to be this relationship. It has to be this job or this, like it has to be this. Like you promised to give me the desires of my heart, and that's true. But I just don't know how, like, how much we truly know what the real desires of our hearts are. And I know God is far more interested in our long-term joy than our fleeting momentary happiness. And I'll explain it this way. It's been a little over two years since me and my family and a big group of friends moved to Texas to, to plant Red Rocks Church in Austin, Texas. And it's been an, like a crazy, ridiculous journey. Uh, like uh, all the highs, all the lows, everything in between, rich, but not because it's been easy, but it's been so good. And we started setting up and, and tearing down in, in this little um, community office space, right? And people were showing up and momentum started to build. And it was re- like people's lives started to, like, to change and people were finding family and experiencing God. And then at the very beginning of this year, we were basically like given this building, this amazing building to borrow practically. 
And so it was like God's provision. I'm like, God, what are you about to do? And we spent three months, like our whole church coming in on the weekends and painting and rigging speakers and setting stuff up and making our church. And then on March 1st, from March 1st and March 8th, something was like blowing up. It was like the, this wave of momentum was crashing. And I was like, this, is, this thing's about to take off. This is crazy. And then COVID hit. We had our new building for two weekends. And we'll have it again, like I understand that. But I've realized and learned through experience over the past few months something that is way, way, way more valuable. And to be honest, I only saw it just a few days ago because I've been kind of throwing pity parties for the last four months. Because what I thought I wanted was ministry success and to build a thriving church. And that's great. That's great. But the deeper things, man, I found out this year what I really want is to experience God and know him and help other people do the exact same thing, which is happening right now, even though we can't meet in our, our building. Like you, you want a beach house in Malibu or a new sports car because of what you think it'll do for you. And I'm all for that. Like I'll pray for it. I'll come visit. We'll drive in your Ferrari up and down the PCH. Awesome, right? That's great. But you want it because of what you think it'll do for you. Revelation is God doing for you completely what stuff or people or relationships or success can only do for you in part. God can do for you completely what a salary or a, a career or a high or a hookup can only do for you in part. The deeper things, it's just, it's interesting to me how seasons of desperation lead to finding out firsthand that God is all you need, but seasons of disappointment lead to you finding out that God is all you actually wanted in the first place. With God, desperation and disappointment are not wasted, church. They are leveraged. They're leveraged. My buddy Ethan, he's a huge, he's a huge college basketball fan and was crushed, like soul crushed on March 12th when they canceled March Madness. I was too, but like, man, he like shut himself away for like a week and mourned it. But he preached a message in Austin recently about how obstacles can become opportunities to get his faith out of the box and find out that it actually works. And he, he told me this recently. He said, next year, March Madness will be back. It'll be back. Hopefully. <laughs> It'll be back. And he said, and when it, like, I'll probably enjoy it more because I will need it less. That's what, that's what that revelation does for you. You are freed up to actually enjoy stuff more and experiences and people more because you actually find out you need them less because you have God to do for you what you were expecting all of that to do for you that kept on failing. But now I've got a permanent source, the deeper things. I thought that I wanted the moonrise, but the good stuff was right behind me. C.S. Lewis said, if you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in, but if you aim at earth, you get neither. Jesus is what I really wanted. And I need this lesson. Now I can enjoy it 
more. And then one day on the other side of all of this, guys, you will know in full what you taste in part right now. I have decided to follow Jesus. Remember that old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And I was, I was curious this week where those lyrics came from. And there actually is quite an amazing story behind it. And it's in, uh, it, was, it was two centuries ago in a, a village in Northeast India, a very violent village. And this missionary visited the village and shared Jesus with this family, this father, the mother, and their two sons. And all four of them received Jesus and said, we have decided to follow Jesus. The chief of that village was unhappy with it and brought all four of them out into the center of the village and said, renounce this name Jesus or we're gonna kill you. And the, the husband, the dad, he said, I've, I have decided to follow Jesus. This is like hard for me to, to, to tell now. Um, so they, they, uh, they shot his two sons with arrows and then gave him another chance to renounce. Renounce your faith in Jesus or we will kill you. And he said, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. And they shot his wife. And they said, renounce Jesus. When I talk about desperation and disappointment, he said, the cross before me, the world behind me, and they killed him right there on the spot. And what's crazy is the testimony that came from that village, because it, it, like, like I said, you, like your life should demand an explanation from the outside looking in. That village was so rattled by what happened. It, it made no sense that the entire village, including the chief, ended up following Jesus. And as hard as that is to think on and imagine, I promise you that family, they're not regretting it right now and nor, nor will they for the rest of eternity with Jesus in paradise. Do not fear desperation and do not fear disappointment. With God, they are not wasted. With God, they are leveraged. They are fertile fertile soil to receive two revelations that every soul on this planet has been trying to find and buy for all of history. It can't be bought. It can only be received through experiencing God by following Jesus. So I'm not sure who I'm talking to right now, but your appointment with Jesus is here. I know that you have questions and doubts and fears, and, but this is you and God. You will always have questions and doubts and fears. Trust me, I'm 12 years into this, I still have them. Those things do not deserve the right to call the shots in your life, not on this. Your BCAD moment is right now. Your appointment with Jesus is here. 
you've known for a while this is real, I'm telling you there is a God who calls you by name, who's not interested in your religion, but a relationship with you, who's extending the most wild and crazy invitation your way to follow him and find out firsthand in this lifetime, this side of eternity, I'm not even talking heaven forever. That's crazy enough. This side of eternity, finding out firsthand how good he is. You know he's speaking to you. So right now in your home or in your car, I just wanna invite you to raise your hand. Following Jesus requires movement. Well, here's your first motion. Raise your hand. I know there's a button on whatever platform you're watching that says I've decided to follow Jesus. I want to receive Jesus into my life. This is that moment. Always remember your original appointment with Jesus Christ. Your BCAD moment is right here. You have no idea what is in store for you. When you follow Jesus with God in your life, desperation and disappointment can still be very real, but they are not wasted. They are not wasted. They are leveraged to give you something that money cannot buy. I have decided to follow Jesus. And let me speak right now to another group. And honestly, I I, uh, was in this group this week. And there might be some of you in this room. I know there's a lot of you watching this online right now, but you are a Christian. Salvation is free. You already have it. But you need to recommit to following him right here and right now to say in this lifetime, ah, Jesus, I wanna be a disciple, which means I I gotta be around you so I can become like you, so I can go and do what you would do if you were me. I have decided to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I wanna invite you at home, in your living room, in your car, raise your hand. Following Jesus' movement, here's your first motion to do that. When individual Christians individually follow Jesus on individual days, the world gets changed, and I do not need to convince you that we need that right now. Maybe more than ever, I can only speak for the last 32 years. But my goodness, Christians need to follow Jesus. Desperation, disappointment will come, but your faith has roots, church. He wants to strengthen you in your inner being with his power. His love is an ocean, how wide, how high, how deep. Don't find out about it by hearing about it or reading about it. Find out by scuba diving on the ocean floor and seeing for yourself, gnoscoing how good he is in the kind of way that surpasses knowledge. God is all you need. God is all you want. Aim at heaven. You'll get heaven and you'll find he is such a good dad that you'll get a lot of earth thrown in with that, amen. Would you guys stand? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I just, I needed an invitation this past week to let myself feel disappointed and let myself feel desperate because I've been bottling that up since March. 
but I feel like that's fertile soil and I feel like our worship is rain that falls from heaven so that revelation can grow in our hearts in a way that nobody can take. The world can touch everything else. It cannot take our faith. It cannot take these revelations. You are all we need. You are all we want. We have decided, Jesus, to follow you, the cross before us, the world behind us. Come what may, no turning back. For those of you who just received Jesus into your lives, I wanna pray for you right now. God, would you bless them and keep them? Their decision, Jesus, to follow you. Would you lead them to their next steps? Would you surround them with a community and a family so they don't have to do this alone? You never made us to do this alone. God, show off to them in their lives. For everybody who just recommitted to follow you once again, would you do the same thing? God, guide their steps in a very dark season. God, we just need to see one step ahead. That's all we need. So for anybody who needs that right now under the sound of my voice, I pray in the name of Jesus that your next step this week would be lit up right now. See us through. Every valley has one thing in common. They all end. Thank you for going through with us. In Jesus' name, amen.